0: Hi, welcome to Upgrade Your Faith. This is one of our bite-sized Bible studies, and I'm Luke Gradeless. If you haven't been here before, our goal is to spend a few minutes together in God's Word, let it activate our minds, touch our hearts, and start to transform our souls. Uh, Tonight, after last week, spending time uh, focusing on Easter, we're jumping back into the book of Acts, and we now find ourselves in Acts chapter 9, and we're going to be looking at a very interesting passage. It's in Acts chapter 9, verses 26 through 30. Again, that's Acts chapter 9, 26 through 30. And I want you to listen carefully on this one because this is one of those passages that has some nuance to it. Uh, If you you read it too quickly, you can go too far one way or you can go too far the other way. And this is where you gotta really have some balance and understanding of of some greater depth here. And that's why, as always, my hope for you is that these bite-sized Bible studies are not the totality of your time in the Word each day, but that these jumpstart, they serve as a catalyst uh, that helps you. Kick off your own Bible study, your own prayer, your own meditation. And it doesn't just stop with the five, ten minutes we're together, but that this is something that leads you into a much deeper time of study. So in Acts chapter nine, just to kind of catch you back up where we are, we've seen Saul of Tarsus, who was persecuting the church, who was trying to eliminate Christianity. We've seen him encounter Jesus Christ. We've seen him be taken in by Ananias. We've seen him uh, converted to Christianity. And we've seen him. Uh, starting to preach Christ. And in chapter 9, verse 26, what we see is we see Saul, who's now Paul, coming to the disciples and coming to those those original, you know, 11 that walked with Jesus. And we're gonna have an inter- interesting interaction between them that I think is very important for us to look at. So in Acts chapter 9, verse 26, it says this, and when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles, and he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road, and that he had spoken to him, and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. And so he was with them at Jerusalem, coming in and going out, and he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus, and disputed against the Hellenists. But they attempted to kill him, and when the brethren found out, they brought him down to Caesarea and set him out to Tarsus. And so, S- small passage, but uh, an interesting passage, and r- let me let me kind of like break this down so, so we know where we fit with this. The first and foremost thing that you and I have to understand as Christians is that you and I, we have no ability to declare who is saved and who is not saved, right? We know what the Word of God says, and we know how the Word of God outlines salvation and what things are necessary for a person to be saved, us understanding that scripture and understanding those things that are outlined are very is very important. At the same time, what's very clear is just though because we know the path and we know the things that people are supposed to go to, you and I, we don't have the ability to declare saved or unsaved. That is not our game. That is not our ability. That is not where we fit in. That is something that God and God alone does. But what is interesting about this passage is, is that there's still a level of discernment that Christians are supposed to have when it comes to the growth of a believer and where a believer sits in the family and whether or not they're exhibiting the proper behaviors. And so in in this passage, what you see is Saul shows up and when he encounters the disciples and tells them, hey, I'm one of you, their instant reaction is not, oh, great, awesome, come on in. Their initial reaction is, whoa, hold up a second. Let's, let's talk about this. And for them, when you think about it, they're sitting here and they've watched somebody who they'd known about, who had lived a life that clearly wasn't aligned to Christianity, who clearly had behaved, acted, and promoted a way of life that was completely counter to the way of Jesus Christ. And now he shows up and goes, yeah, I'm one of you guys. And their initial reaction is, well, well, wait a minute, let's talk about this. And I think this is an interesting thing. I think it's an interesting thing that you and I need to think about in our own lives for a few reasons. One, God warns us many places in the New Testament that we need to be careful of what we would sometimes call easy believism. That this idea that you just say, you know, a quick little prayer or you just declare yourself Christian and immediately that's it, you're done. Um, Many times, we see people come to Jesus Christ and want to become a follower, but Jesus goes in depth about the price, the cost, the sacrifice that comes from being a believer. And in many ways, the way he shares the gospel is so, so different than how we would share the gospel because often, if somebody comes to us and they're interested in the path, they're interested in the way, they're interested in becoming a believer, we're doing everything we can to quickly share that gospel with them And then, man, if they want to say a prayer with us and and accept the Lord, we're all in for that. And what you see with Jesus was more of a balance of, I want to make sure you really understand what this path is. And I want you to really understand what you're signing up for. The cost, the journey, and what this is. And so often you see Jesus almost holding up a warning sign to folks of really consider the cost of this before you jump on in. And I think that's an important thing for us because yes, we should have a deep hunger and a deep passion to make as many disciples as possible. That's the mission. The mission is for us to go into the world and to make disciples. And so we should be always sharing the gospel. We should always be praying with people. We should always be sharing the way. We should be sharing the wonderful, wonderful news that is Jesus Christ. At the same time, I think there does need to be a due diligence, that we make sure people truly understand who is Jesus, what does it mean to be a disciple, what are the beliefs and morals of the faith, and do they fully understand that concept. In scripture, you'll see, you know, I think one of the scariest verses is when Jesus in Matthew says, there will be many on that final day that go, but Lord, Lord, didn't I do these things in your name? And he'll go to them and say, I never knew you. And the point of that passage is there will be many people who will have claimed to follow Jesus, but uh, it won't be the real Jesus. It'll be a Jesus they've manipulated or shaped in their lives, or the way in which they followed him has not been that of a true disciple who is given everything they are and everything they have. It'll be somebody who, you know, treated Jesus more like a consultant. I like some of the stuff. I, I, I listen to some of the things you suggest, but, you know, I don't give my whole life over it. And so I think this is an interesting concept for us where we have to find the right balance of, yes, hunger, desire, and passion to bring as many people to Christ as possible, but also the discernment to truly look at a person's life and see if we see evidence of the fact that they truly understand the path they're on. Again, we, we can't declare whether someone is saved or not, but you see the disciples sitting here going, look, we've, we've seen the way you live and it doesn't align at all to the word of god so so we're concerned and it's not until you see barnabas really going no no guys look i've i've seen with my own eyes i have seen the change i have seen the way he's living and it reflects what the word of god stands for it's not really until that moment that you see that there's some openness for the disciples to go okay well let's well let's move forward in this And so I think, brothers and sisters, the thing I'm hoping you look at is, one, we are never going to be perfect. We are always going to sin. We are always going to fall. We are always going to have mistakes in our lives. But a believer who has given their life over to Jesus Christ will have evidence of that in their lives. It won't mean they're perfect, but you will see that evidence. Throughout scripture, we hear things about the spirit of God that's put into us. We hear in 2 Timothy 1.7, God doesn't give us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and self-discipline. Uh, in Galatians 5.22, we have the fruits of the spirit. There'll be love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I think the thing we see happening here is, well, the disciples weren't necessarily going to reject Paul. The question they needed to see before they really felt comfortable was, do we see evidence that God is at work in your life? Do we see evidence that God is present with you? And I think that's something that all of us need to be looking for. Are we a reflection of Jesus Christ? Are we a reflection of his spirit? I always kind of share the story with people, but at our house, uh, my wife planted multiple rose bushes in the front yard. And one of them is just, big and beautiful and it has many blooms and it's just this gorgeous rose bush. And then the one next to it is is decent. You know, it's a decent rose bush. Um, you know, it's, it's not as magnificent as the last one, but there's many blooms on it. And then there's this one little tiny one, this one little tiny one that just is struggling to produce anything. Maybe it will have one or two blooms on it. And so I think the thing that I find interesting about it is while these three are all very different from each other and their ability to produce and what the world sees, the reality is all of them are clearly rose bushes. All of them have blooms. All of them, by their fruit, display that they are rose bushes. And yes, one may be more magnificent than the other, but all of them are showing that fruit. And I think that's the same way we've got to look at our own lives. This isn't a comparison game where we sit down and go, am I the most powerful, am I the most loving, am I the most self-disciplined? This isn't a place where I compare me to you and and make sure I rack and stack above you. But it is a place where we should look at our lives and go, do we see evidence of any of this fruit being present? And if you look at your life and go, there's no power, there's no love, there's no self-discipline, If you look at your life and you go, there's no peace, no patience, no kindness, no goodness, no faithfulness, no gentleness, then that should cause us to pause. And that should cause us to go, what's happening here? Because clearly something is broken. And so brothers and sisters, my hope for you is is, is that we become a people of discernment. Always hopeful for the best. Always out there promoting and sharing the Gospel with others, but also always looking for real growth, real truth and real evidence that the Spirit is in, is at work in our lives and in the lives of our brothers and sisters so that we can encourage them, nurture them and help them to truly experience the wonderfulness that is in the intimacy of a relationship with Jesus Christ. Thanks for spending a few minutes with us today. Uh, I hope you're staying safe. I hope you're staying healthy and may God bless you greatly. We'll see you soon.